Teach me about the Great Lakes. Teach me about the Great Lakes. Welcome back to Teach Me About the Great Lakes, a twice-monthly podcast in which I, a Great Lakes novice, ask people who are smarter and harder working than I am to teach me all about the Great Lakes. My name is Stuart Carlton. I work with Illinois Indiana Sea Grant, and I know a lot about missing that which you used to have, but you no longer have, and you think maybe that's okay that I don't have it until you start to do the thing you used to have to do, and now you have to do it again, and you realize, no, I wish I had it. But I don't know a lot about the Great Lakes, and that's the point of this here show. Now, this is our October episode, and normally in October, we like to schedule a Halloween episode. We call it the Lake House of Terror. Um, but this October is a little bit different uh, for a number of reasons. We just had our omnibus proposal due. Uh, there's a paper that is due on Monday that I have 1,000 words in, and so I'm going to have to ask for yet another extension or just not do the paper, which is what I should have done in the first place. Uh, which reminds me, I need to talk to Carolyn about that. Um, and all sorts Hi. of other stuff. And so, all right, there's Carolyn now. Uh, hey, Carolyn, Carolyn Foley, research coordinator. And, and so the long and short of it is like, well, I just didn't have time to get the episode together this year. Like it just, it didn't happen. Um, and so, uh, but, but we still have our good friends here, um, who record the episode with us. So there's Carolyn, Carolyn Foley, research coordinator with Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. How are you? I, I am all right. I guess I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to, you know, not, uh, perishing in some weird way. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So here, we'll bring on Geneva and then we'll talk about that. Geneva Langland, uh, communication uh, guru for Michigan Sea Grant. That's probably not your actual title though. What is it? I'll, I'll accept it. Communications editor it sounds editor. much less interesting than guru. It does. Well, I don't know what you do over there in Michigan. Yeah. Brilliant communications mind. Brilliant communications <laughs> mind. Anyway, Geneva's awesome. Hall of Famer, immediate Hall of Famer. Um, and we weren't even going to do this. And I happened to see Geneva... Um, at the, uh, we had a meeting uh, that Geneva was at, and I, saw, I was like, oh, we got to get together with Geneva. So even though we're not doing a Halloween special, um, we were super glad to have her over here. So that's good. And yeah, so the deal was, right, as Carolyn was saying, was, um, you know, maybe we'll put some of these up uh, in the feed or something as a, a rerun or whatever. Right. So we get together and, and we make like this fake story, right? Uh, we pretend like a couple years ago we were at a campfire or whatever. And uh, this year, or last year, what was it last year? We were on a, on a oh, boat. That's right. That's right. With a mizzen mast. <laughs> on a boat. Yes. On a boat. Sorry. I was <laughs> not getting stopped by Jaws. Yes. 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 That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. The, the Great Lakes bull sharks, which again, may, yeah. it's not clear they don't exist, right? Um, Great Lakes bull sharks. Many people say that they're, they're out there. Um, such as. So me. is that what we're going to talk about today? Great Lakes bull sharks? Well, we could, but no, I thought, I thought we just sort of just, you know, I don't have a lot planned for today, right? I did actually, I got a, um. I prepared a poem. Well, I didn't prepare a poem. Um, I've written poetry since I was a teenager, and I wrote the same poetry that every teenager writes. Um, and that poetry shall not be shared. Uh, but um, no, no. But I, I got, so I was thinking about, you know, since we're not doing the whole deal and telling the stories or whatever, um, but I still like to be in the spooky season spirit and the Halloween spirit because it is a fun time of year. Uh, and, and so I thought that'd be important. Um, and so uh, one of my favorite po- poets is from Portland, Maine. Um, that's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He's from Portland, Maine. Uh, when he was born, it was actually in Massachusetts, I believe, Portland. But since then, it's become in, in Maine. Uh, so I, I, and he has a really great poem for Halloween, which I thought I would just go ahead and read. And then we could sort of talk about the Halloween process, I think, um, and what we do. And then maybe hear, you know, what's going on over in Michigan, maybe start to get ready for the Lakeys. And, and then we'll, we'll get an episode out of it. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. So this okay. is, um, yeah, this is called Haunted Houses by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow of Portland, Maine. All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. 
Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. We meet them at the doorway, on the stair, along the passages, they come and go, impalpable impressions in the air, a sense of something moving to and fro. There are more guests at table than the hosts invited. The illuminated hall is thronged and quiet, inoffensive ghosts as silent as the pictures on the wall. The stranger at my fireside cannot see the forms I see, nor hear the sounds I hear. He but perceives what is, while unto me all that has been is visible and clear. We have no title deeds to house or lands, owners and occupants of earlier dates. From graves forgotten stretch their dusty hands and hold in mortmain still their old estates. The spirit world around this world of sense floats like an atmosphere and everywhere wafts through these earthly mists and vapors dense a vital breath of more ethereal air. Our little lives are kept in equipoise by opposite attractions and desires. The struggle of the instinct that enjoys and the more noble instinct that aspires. These perturbations, this perpetual jar of earthly wants and aspirations high, come from the influence of an unseen star, an undiscovered planet in our sky. And as the moon from some dark gate of cloud throws o'er this sea a floating bridge of light, across whose trembling planks our fancies crowd into the realm of mystery and night. So from the world of spirits there descends a bridge of light connecting it with this, or whose unsteady floor that sways and bends wander our thoughts above the dark abyss. Anyway, so that one always gets me in like the spirit, you know, this idea of this ghost world that exists, right? Can, can I, that yours is very um, thematic. Can I share, you know, one of my favorite Halloween? Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Get you in the mood. It's that song that you may have heard that goes, Spooky, scary skeletons. The Great Lakes have disappeared. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. Hey, that's the fire alarm. Um, well, I guess should we... Uh, I guess we got to go outside. Uh, let's grab our mics, I guess. Yeah, this is a nice day today. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, here, let's yeah. just um, walk out. Yeah, let's just, uh, you know what? Let's just take a walk outside. What a tune. Oh. Oh, it's a little darker than I thought it would be, huh? Well, who knew? Yeah, I didn't realize yeah i guess the time got away from us well anyway uh anyway yeah so um halloween episode the lake house of terror so i think uh you know again a little bit underprepared this year but um that's how it goes i bet y'all enjoyed having the time off anyway and, and a little bit less to work on yeah i took the time to make my halloween costume instead oh nice what are you going as this year uh i'm taking a page out of uh megan gass's book my coworker who uh, dresses up as the bag monster. Yeah, so you're going as a huge pile of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that's always one of the best things to go with this Halloween. That's really great. Yeah, no, every year I'm the same thing. I'm a unicorn every year because uh, we found this costume at Target and it's it's perfect. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be honest, like um, I thought we were still recording 
the episode. Oh, so oh, I am um, sorry about that. I spent a little bit of time trying to write up a, a story. So um, oh. since we're waiting out here anyway, do you guys want to? I don't know. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't sure. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it, it. You know, you'll see why I wanted to write about this particular topic. I have a bit okay. of a love. So all right, yeah, sure. all right. It's called The Great Lakes Have Disappeared. So. Oh, wait, hold on. Well, I mean, since we got it, we might as well. Let's see. We might as well do the full thing. If we're going to have that title. Uh, look, I brought, I happen to bring my um, my little sound effect thingy. Luckily. Oh, so, yes. uh, let's Very important <laughs> things to take out during a fire. <laughs> so, yeah, I brought the sound effect thingy. So let's, uh, uh, yeah, do that. Do the title again. Might as well do it right. All right. This is called The Great Lakes Have Disappeared. <laughs> All right. So, um, one morning, okay, and this is a little bit more loosey goosey than I normally go, but one morning, just north of Chicago, there, there was a Sunday morning where a swimmer was getting ready. And um, she would go out swimming in Lake Michigan every single Sunday morning with all of her friends. So she got up, she got her suit on, she got her wetsuit because it was a little bit chilly. Um, she got her goggles, she got her swim cap, she biked down to the lake to see all her friends and she was getting ready to jump in. And when she came up to the edge where normally she would just kind of do a flip into the water, um, there was nothing. She was like, what the... What the heck is going on? And she looked around to see if any of her her colleagues were there. And they were starting to show up, too. The, the other um, Sunday morning swimmers were starting to show up. And they all kind of spread out along the edge. And they were like, what the heck is going? Like, they could just see down to the bottom of Lake Michigan. And there was nothing there, nothing at all. And so that same Sunday morning up on the, on the North coast of Lake Superior, there was an, an elderly gentleman was getting ready to go out fishing for one of the last times of the year. And he's in his little motor boat and he's heading out um, in his little John boat with his little, you know, humongous motor on a very tiny boat. And he, and he's getting ready to head out and he's going down the river and he gets to where he's supposed to be able to enter Lake Superior. And again, it's just like, it's just solid, like there's no water. There's nothing there at all. And the same thing happened in, in the eastern edge of, of Lake Ontario, way down by Watertown, New York. Um, there were some people who were going for a run along the beach and they normally were used to seeing all these things and there was just no water at all. And we're talking like nothing at all. Like you could see the bottom, there were no boats, there were no fish, there was no garbage. There was nothing except for the sediments, no plants, nothing. Everyone was just extraordinarily confused and a little bit alarmed, honestly. I mean, you know, you've got like the largest freshwater thing in the, in the entire world and suddenly it's like, you know, not there. So that's problematic, potentially. So everybody starts calling up their favorite, favorite people who, because, you know, they listen to like, teach me about the Great Lakes and things like that. And they start calling up the scientists, the specialists. So they call Ed Verhamey of Limnotech and they say, Ed, <laughs> what's going on? Why, why, why is the water gone? And Ed is like, what are you talking about? It's Sunday morning, I'm fine, I'm fine. And, and Ed, who happens to be up in the UP, because he loves the UP, he stepped out, same thing. He's like, what the heck is going on? 
And then somebody called Ashley Elgin from Noah Glero and same thing, like, Ashley, there's something crazy going on. Ashley, Ashley rolled out of bed. Actually, Ashley's probably an early riser. She got it. She was already out of bed, but then she went and she went in Muskegon. She went to the water and she said, my goodness gracious, what is going on? And so they and many other scientists all across the Great Lakes Basin were getting calls and we're stopping and thinking, like, what the heck's going on? So they start calling each other and they stopped and they thought, OK, what do we have that we can use? Data, data. We've got these things that transmit data. If we go take a look at them, we're pretty sure that we would be able to find out like, you know, exactly what happened. Maybe, you know, like, are we all in some weird simulation that something's going on or whatever? So they called the trusty buoy wranglers at Illinois, Indiana Sea Grant. And they said, Hey, and, and at the Great Lakes Observing System and at the NOAA Great Lakes Environmental Research System and at um, all of the places, all of the places. And they said, okay, can you guys check your data, please, to see, like, because the lakes disappeared and we're trying to figure out, like, when did it happen? What the heck is going on? And so people started looking at the graphs and they started looking at the graphs. And it did seem like there was kind of one point where all of a sudden the data just stopped reporting all over the entire Great Lakes. No more data being reported. And they started stretching out to like some of the autonomous underwater vehicles and different things like that. No data anywhere at this particular time. Like this is all extraordinarily odd. So several weeks later, as people are pouring through the data, still trying to figure out where the hell did our, re sorry, where the heck did our resources go? There was somebody, it's an undergraduate student who was a summer intern who had stayed on at Illinois Indian Sea Grant. They had been helping with the buoy. And they started looking deep into the data. And they started looking into the code because they said, you know, this is very, very, very strange. Like, let's, let's double check. And they looked specifically at the three Illinois Indian Sea Grant buoys, the Michigan City buoy, the Wilmette buoy, and the Chicago Pier buoy, or Chewy. Chewy. And they started to notice some really crazy anomalies Chewy. in Chewy. They started to notice like these, these weird patterns in the data that looked like suddenly you're seeing like 1,000 foot waves, but they seemed to be repeated and they were very confused. And so they happened to be friends with someone who was a linguist. And so the linguist student came in and started looking and said, those, those don't look random. Those, those look like a pattern. And so they started analyzing them together and they stayed up late at night because they couldn't understand what was going on. And they were looking at different things and they said, these patterns, they are repeated. There's like a thousand foot wave and then a 60 foot wave, like, but what the heck's going on? And so they took it all the way up because of course, you know, everybody's being monitored all the time. They started being monitored by different people and they got taken up to the national governments and the governments were saying, yeah, you found something that we were hoping you wouldn't find. They overlaid, it turned out that the governments had known about this for a while. They overlaid the language over top of the anomalous data. And it demonstrated that Chewy in particular had just all of us were like decided to turn its back on all of the people in the Great Lakes Basin. It had been communicating for the past year and a half with aliens. And aliens came 
And on that certain day, they grabbed all of the resources and took it with them into the universe. And the reason that Chewie gave, because he did wind up, he slash she slash they did wind up leaving a thing. It was just like, because you didn't care enough about the Great Lakes and the aliens cared more. So, I mean, there's always love for the buoys, right? So, there's always and I also love the, the Simpsons episodes, so, so that's why yeah. I wrote that. Oh, gosh, Carol, that's great. Oh, it is a terrifying thought, too. Oh, I thank you for <laughs> writing that. That was, yeah, I remember the idea of like the buoys, like whose timber they are on, really, right? And you notice the birds like the Only buoys a lot, too. Kind of <laughs> makes you wonder. Kind of yes. makes you wonder. It sure does. Anyway, jeez. Well, that's good. Um, yeah. Wow. Did you just hear that? What? Oh. No, no, I didn't. No. I thought I heard something weird. You're probably just jacked up because I was doing such a great job. Yeah, no, Carol, you're all fired up. And it, and it is so dark out in the wind and stuff. It does make you kind of, nope, that's not the wind. It is dark out and like the wind and stuff kind of makes you, yeah, wonder what exactly is going on. You know, it is kind of eerie out. Uh, it is spooky season. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway, yeah, so no, I too would be scared. But like, you know, I mean, what would happen? We're at campus. It's a very safe place to be overall. Uh, yeah. yeah, especially if you yeah. didn't go to IU. I'll try to, I'll try to shake off, I'll try to shake off the nerves. Um, glad to be here with you guys and yes, not out here alone. That'd be terrifying. Mm -hmm. Agreed, yeah. agreed. Uh, well, I'm glad you shared your story, Carolyn, because I was afraid to admit that I had also spent a little time uh, prepping oh, a story. Oh, I feel horrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just <laughs> feel so... want to make Stuart feel bad, so <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to bring it up. But yeah, I do have one in my back pocket. You guys have oh. time to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, what the heck? Yeah, like I said, yeah, I don't I mean, have else playing. Yeah. yeah, we're still, and you know, we, we're still out here. So yeah, that'd be Yeah, great. we're stuck out, I assume. Yeah, I mean, let's see. We can head back for just a second. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. We're trying to fire too. Yeah. Anyway. Great way to spend time. Go for it, Geneva. <laughs> All right. So back in the early 1800s, there was a young cartographer who set out to map the shoreline of the Detroit River, where it winds its way from Lake St. Clair in the north down to Lake Erie. And he started up in the northern end of the river, up by Belle Isle, and got in his canoe so he could start paddling along the river and mapping its curves. He did a, a lap in the canoe around Belle Isle itself and sketched out the, the, the shoreline as he went. But as the cartographer rounded the last bend, he noticed something unexpected on the banks of Belle Isle. It was a dark opening like a hole or a tunnel uh, right by the water line on the shore of the island. So he canoed a little bit closer, tried to peek at it, but it was so dark he couldn't see if there's anything inside. He, he went a little bit closer, he couldn't hear anything coming out of it, just the lapping of the, the waves of the river. 
and he got a little closer and whoop, a current whooshed him into the hole and he disappeared from sight. He was surrounded by darkness. All he could hear was the sound of water sloshing and he could feel the wind on his face as he was pulled faster and faster through the darkness. It could have been minutes, it could have been hours, but all of a sudden he poof, popped back out into the sunlight. Blinking, he, he looked around and, and tried to figure out where he was because it surely wasn't the Detroit River and he wasn't looking at Belle Isle. He, he looked out instead at an endless expanse of water reaching all the way to the horizon. And he, he turned around in his canoe and behind him, there was a craggy, rocky cliff leading up to some weather-beaten, gnarled trees up on, on the top of some rocks and, and no sign of the tunnel entrance that he must have just popped out of. He was utterly bewildered and paddled his way over to a, a lower spot on the shoreline so he could clamber out of his canoe and get on land in this unfamiliar, rocky, tree-filled territory. He peered over the trees and saw a trail of campfire smoke rising into the air, so he decided to trek inland and try to figure out where that came from. No, 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 no. And lo and behold, lo and behold, he found a group of fur trappers who were, who were working in the area, and they said, I don't know what you mean we are up in the northern reaches of you know what would be called michigan we're up by the great lake that they call gichigumi lake superior and the cartographer was utterly stunned how had he gotten from belle isle all the way in the south to the the upper peninsula what we would know as the upper peninsula now but he didn't really see a way to get back home he didn't know how to get there or what route to take so he just accepted his fate and started a new life and joined the fur trapping group as they moved around the area and spent the rest of his life mapping out this, this new Northern Territory. But he could not have known that a couple hundred years later, the people of Michigan would see that connection between Belle Isle in the South and that point all the way up in those wooded territories of the North and they would create something called the Iron Bell Trail, a connection of walking and hiking and biking paths that stretches all the way from Belle Isle, snaking across the state up to Ironwood, the far western point of what's now known as the Upper Peninsula. And that trail, if only it had existed when the young cartographer got lost, he might have been able to find his way home. That's amazing. Good, good so for him. I mean, I'm glad you wrote the story to be like, okay, I'm just going to roll with it because I would probably just be like, oh, <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, thing. Sometimes you got to take the, the, take the Lake Superior size lemons life throws at you. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, but you also tied in one thing that you do nicely is tie in like, you know, I tend to just make like fart jokes or what. And so I really like how you sort of built in that thing. So that trail's real, right? And so, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
oh, interesting. Hey, we're near this cool. Have you seen this park on campus before, Carolyn? It's kind of wooded. I, I haven't actually. Um, I you know, campus has changed so much in the past like twenty years. Yeah. This one is seems seems like a, a new one to me. Yeah. Well, and the streets were pretty. Heck, yeah, I, I can't really see the sky anymore. Uh, let's just go see what's up. Here, let me, uh, I happen to have a torch. Um, let me just uh, light the torch here. Let's you got see. a torch, yeah. you British? No, no, no. Like, uh, are, you, are, you, no. are you the reason that the fire alarm went off? <laughs> I mean, not, not the reason. Let me just, hold on. Uh, there we go. Ah, that kind of torch. Kind of warming up a bit, too. That's yeah, helpful. well, it's a fairly substantial torch. Alarmingly similar to the campfire sound effect from several <laughs> years ago, actually. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, yeah, well, let's just go see what's back there. But, yeah, so what I really like about um, what you do, the way you tie in, like, someone, actually, Katie and Titus, we also do this other show, Ask Dr. Fish. I don't know if you've seen this. And what always impresses me about that is I see half of my job in that show is to derail it with stupid asides and whatever, or just lean in for, like, the comedy value thing or whatever. And, and what's so great about Titus and Katie is that they're able to do that um, but they do it in a way and like, they almost always just kind of bring it back, you know, to the educational point. And so I like that too. Um, boy, it sure is dark here, but anyway, no, so that's really great. Yeah. So then in terms of Halloween, what we do, what I like about this, it reminds me of what, what is, but this doesn't make any sense. No, this doesn't make any sense because we're on land and like, so there may be bull sharks, but why, why would there be land sharks? Um, but anyway, what we're trying to do with the uh, podcast here, you know, especially the Halloween episode, is, is we're hey, trying to do... Are you sure there aren't any land sharks? Because that sounds an awful lot like what we experienced last year. It does. It does. Oh, well, I'm no. as sure that there aren't land sharks as Carolyn is sure that there aren't sharks in Lake... Oh, my oh, God! My God! We have met our fate yet again. <laughs>